0: Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics on McBerry, Rattoli, host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today, as usual. We have a special guest today, the one and only. Well, actually, let's go ahead and show the screen what the show is going to be about today. Anyhow, don't be spoofed by the Virginia governor's race, folks. Do not be spoofed. They want you scared. They want you worried. Hey, suppose McAuliffe loses. It's the end of the progressive movement because he lost because the progressives just held back and they didn't get the bills passed. No, 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 no. First of all, my gut feeling tells me this race is not going to be anything like people think it's going to be. I'll go out on a limb and say that if things work right, it's kind of cold in Virginia. But aren't they used to this kind of stuff on Election Day? I I think the guy may really pull it out, math over momentum, as they're trying to play it out on MSNBC, math over momentum, math over momentum, but we also have a great interview with Yvette Avery, one of our PDR Posse members, who is also an extraordinary union activist, Rabi Caban, another activist, Uh, we call her the real estate expert out of Atlanta. She was the one who uh, got uh, Yvette uh, the interview, brought us in, and said, like, Berta, we need to... She's been with us before, but today she had quite a more expensive, uh, expansive interview that we did, so we're going to get there eventually. So anyhow, how are you guys doing today? How is my posse? Those of you that are already online, please, if you are on YouTube, give us that thumbs up. We need that thumbs up. Get the algorithm going. If you are on Facebook Live, give us that like. If you are on... Twitch, give us that like. If you are on Twitter, share it. If you're on, well, look to put it bluntly, if you are everywhere, please go ahead and share it. Share our program. You know the way we are going to make change in America is to constantly beat the mainstream media and start getting real info in front of people, real truths in front of people, making sure people are well aware of what's going on. Anyway, folks, please remember. You can also, we, we have a permanent place where we have the YouTube channel whenever we go live, which is politicsunright.com slash TV. Don't forget that. Politicsandright.com slash TV is our central location for the video portion of our, of our program. Anyhow, my dear brothers and sisters, uh, what do you think about Manchin's story yesterday? What Mansion did? We covered that. He's kind of backtracking a little bit because Biden is telling him, hey, guy, you promised me Seems like that's what's going on. He has to make that big, big disagreeing with the progressives, I guess, to appease some folks in West Virginia. But interestingly, in West Virginia, the, the bills are going to be, especially the reconciliation bill, also known as better, uh, Build Back Better, the bill that has all the social programs in it, it does more for West Virginia than for any other, con- uh, any other state. So, folks... Uh, Maybe West Virginians need to learn that. We don't know. Maybe they need to learn that. Anyhow, let's see what we have here from our peeps, our peeps, our peeps. Yvette says, afternoon all. Yvette, you get to see yourself today. Peggy Lopez. Hi all. Have to run to the dump, so I'm only here early. Well, you'll be missed. Eric Hayes is filling up the screen. Let's see what we got here. Eric Hayes says, how about the world programs like... UN transparent like this or who? This goes for our government too. Transparency is a key so they see the waste. Daily News, Elon Musk. I don't want to hear a damn thing about Elon Musk and what he promises. $6 billion he promised yesterday for, uh, for solving hunger. You know, I, you know what I love about the plutocracy? You know what I love about a lot of capitalists? They rob you. And then they want to look good when they give back some of the money to you. So I pick your pocket. You are you are in a foreign land. You are in a foreign city, and you know what? I I trail you off the airplane, and you have a thousand dollars in your in in your pocket, and I go into your pocket without you knowing, and I snatch that thousand dollars. And then later on, I see you at the counter. At the, at the counter saying, Oh, somebody stole my thousand dollars. I, I am broke. I don't have any money. And you come up and you say, You know what? Um, I am so sorry that happened to you. Here's $200. And you say, Oh, this nice man gave me $200. I do, whenever I hear any, any billionaire go out and say, I'm going to donate to a college, I'm going to donate to a university. My daughter goes to Howard. There was this guy who gave. Uh, 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 actually, this one was. This isn't the one from Howard. I should say the one from Spellman or the other. The other black university. This guy went ahead and paid off the medical debt of all these students. Like I don't know, probably a hundred. I don't know how many students. And he wants to look good, right? And then you find out that this guy is an investor who put a hell of a lot of money into gentrifying places. So. I give doctors who will be able to afford the places that I've gentrified, I, give, I pay their college off, they're going to give me back that money when they go and moved into those gentrified areas, but who got left <coughs> holding the bag from the gentrification? You know who got left holding the bag? Ha, ha, ha. Those same poor people that want to believe this guy was benevolent. For giving those students the bill. I mean, so, or paying those students bills. (coughs) Sorry about that. Anyhow, so I want you guys to understand this. Don't buy into the benevolence of of rich people, of, of rich people giving money. If they really want to give money, they don't say a damn thing about giving money. They just put the money to work. They don't have to come out and make a national case about, I am giving $6 billion to hunger. Who the hell cares? Hunger doesn't take six billion dollars to change. It takes a revamping of the economic system to solve our hunger problem. All right, let's see, another option for climate change. I think you want to talk about removing carbon from the air. Actually believe it or not, I would love us to have a technology, we have it already actually, to suck carbon out of the air, but you're not going to suck the carbon that's been placed in the air since the industrial revolution, you're not going to have enough equipment in there while we're still throwing it into the air to make a difference, you won't. It's just science, science, science again. What do we like? Science, Nanette Birdsmith. Welcome aboard. May what? hello, hello, all from Long Beach, California. Bruce Pollard. So, is Manchin a richocrat? Manchin is a hypocritical richocrat whose daughter has suckered people into paying over $700 for a nepi pen. That's who Manchin is. One, one of the reasons Manchin doesn't want us to negotiate for uh, drug prices, drugs that we actually pay to develop, is because his daughter, as CEO of a company that also rips people off, would actually get hurt. So that's the real story behind that, my brothers and sisters. That's the real story. Like I tell you all the time, don't get snowed. Don't allow them to snow us. We can't allow them to continue the snow. Gotta move the chair a bit. You know, I'm in a different location here, a little smaller. So I have to do a little plane here and there. All right, continuing, continuing, continuando. Uh, let's see what uh, uh, Donald Brown says. The only good Democrat is one that loses their election or reelection. Wow. Donald Brown, so you must be a right wing brother, and I still love you because you're here. Share, please share it, please share it. Maywood, or Eric says, better the billionaire pay it than the taxpayers. No, if the billion, you know, and that is what, that is how shallow the thinking is. When the billionaire pays it, you look at it, Eric. Let me show you how to think. When the billionaire pays it, Eric, it is you who are paying it. The billionaire's billions is the excess labor not paid to you. And it's so hard for Americans to see it. I just gave you the exemption of the pickpocket who gives you back your money. When the billionaire pays, he's just giving back something that he's stolen. It's that simple. Excess labor. Learn about the definition of excess labor. Peggy Lopez says, I have my phone company because they give give to left-wing organizations and I get to have input into which left-wing organization gets the money that my phone company uses as tax reduction. I love you, Peggy. You keep doing that good stuff, Peggy Lopez. Daniel Ledo says, Oh, snap. They're going to start eating their own. Now look at this. No, we're not going to start eating our own. Actually, I think we may win tonight, Daniel. I think McCulloch may pull it off. I may be wrong, but I think he he may pull it off. All right, Bruce Pollard says, You need a few million years of solar energy to rebalance the CO2 load by making it into rocks and little drops of oil under the ground and lignite in the form of coal. You know what they're talking about though, Bruce, I know what you're saying, you're saying to reconvert all that carbon into biomass and then into fossilized uh, energy which is oil and carbon, etc. That's how long it takes for the the natural system to work. Carbonizing this means pull it into the air and storing it. They're not talking about turning that carbon back into useful stuff at all. They're just talking about getting it, storing it, which means wherever they store it can leak. But that's another story. Eric says, Nope, made my wages, didn't take anything from me, but took the government taking the again. The fact that you don't understand what wages is, Eric, is amazing. Wait when you work for a company and that company makes a product and that product that came from your intellect makes more than they pay you, that is a definition of excess labor. The person who owns the stocks in that company reaps the reward of your excess labor and the executive. Okay, That is how our system works. If we really had an equitable system, when you work for a company, if the company made a huge profit, that profit would be split around and you, you, you go ahead and get a piece of the profit. Now when the company makes losses, what you normally have is a mitigation factor. What, 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 if you have a viable company, there would be ups and downs. And what you'd have is a mitigation fund that handles the low times and the high times, et cetera. And if, if a company never makes money, then it's not really a company. It's just not even a hobby. Okay. But that's not our system. Our system depends on a few taking advantage of the many. The reason why most of you don't see it that way is because of the indoctrination we've all gone through from the inception of this country and from our individual's birth. All right, E2247, welcome aboard. Gary Itano, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see. COP uh, 3 in 1997, Kyoto was just about 95. Uh, to US Senate, bipartisan Bird Hagel resolution vote to sign. COP3 agreements, actually, I remember that. Daniel Lado, what I don't understand is that Egberto and his comrades would love to decide how much anyone can make and then take the excess. No, we don't want to determine how much anyone can make. We want everybody to make whatever they can make. Uh, Lee Grant, the the, the most efficient maker is that person who produce a product, market a product. Uh, They are in total control. As an example, the reason I can talk boldly, all right, I created a product called ComDRB. I wrote the software, I designed the software, I wrote the books for the software, I sold the software, I marketed the software, I did it all. There was no third party or anything like that. Did I reap all the rewards? Yes, but when I got the book printed, some of that rewards went to the printer. When I went ahead and stored the file in the cloud, some of the rewards went elsewhere. You have to understand these different concepts, people. Lee Grant says, I always enjoy Egberto's reiteration of the Marxist theory of excess labor. It is a Marxist theory. Unfortunately, that, is, that particular statement within that theory is actually true. Excess labor is true. I think you can't argue with that. Because again, if what you produce, there's more money made on what you produce, That was from your intellect, and since you don't get it, well, it's excess labor. All right, E2247, U.S. is not serious about reducing its own emissions. That's true. Carmen Nurse, Egberto, Manchin, and Cinema are both playing the Republican game for the benefit of the Republican White, McConnell, and courts are sitting back thinking they have us by the balls. You're absolutely right, Carmen. Absolutely right. But let me tell you better. There's something else that's interesting, Carmen, and it goes this way. We always get... We always get people who call themselves Democrats to occupy space in the Democratic Party to ensure that Americans don't get what they want. Most people, if you do the polls, want what Democrats are offering. Just do the polls. Not, um, you know, you can ask anybody. I sit down in a Starbucks, even in a Starbucks with Republicans who are who actually want what Democrats are offering, when not cloaked. In the word Democrat, Progressive, or Liberal, Eric Hayes says you have cost. Let's say, Egberto, you made your money. Yes, you have a cost of for making money. It is called free market society, and basic is free. That statement, I love you, Eric, but that statement made absolutely no sense. No sense whatsoever. You have a cost for making money. It is called free market society. But you, but the rich people, the billionaires that make the most out of the free market society are the ones who least want to pay the taxes. So you're speaking out of two sides of your mouth. Because if you really believe that there is a cost to living in in a free society, the billionaire should bear the brunt of that cost. What other Marxist theory is true, Egberto? Oh lord. I'm not going to go into that right now. Katameng, I agree with you 100% on that. Thank you, my dear beautiful lady. Anyway, let's get busy. We have to talk to or listen to Yvette Avery, Uh, she is one of my union activist heroes, she's been for a very long time and she's with us once again. So let me go ahead and get that interview played for you guys and then we'll come back on the other side.
1: Welcome to the special edition of Politics Done Right with Higberto Willis, and I am your co-host today, Robbie Caban, and I'm really excited to bring on one of my favorite people, a whistleblower activist for labor in Atlanta, Georgia, Yvette Avery.
2: How are you guys doing today?
1: Yvette, actually, I want to give you the chance to introduce yourself. I know you, but could you please just give a little snippet about who is Yvette Avery?
2: Well, hi, yes, you said I'm Yvette Avery, a unionist, a workers' rights activist here in Atlanta, Georgia, been around for several years, just fighting for people's rights. You know, we, we have to do that, especially in this state, this right to work at will. So that's something that I like to do. And that's something that's in my heart that keeps pushing me every day.
1: And how how long have you been a labor activist? I've been a labor activist uh, almost 15 years. We're going to talk about a little bit about what happened to you. Let's get right into it if you don't mind. Um, You worked for a huge corporation in Atlanta, Georgia, an airline. Most of the time people don't think of airlines as corporations and you were there seven years impeccable record and your story, uh, I'm going to catch people up to speed and then we'll get into um, some additional questions. I believe you recently interviewed with Egberto alone but for those people that don't know you. So there are many people who have been uh, retaliated against and terminated, but your story is is interesting, not only because uh, we all need to talk about these things in the day and age of workers' rights and people quitting and uh, exploitation of workers with corporations, but you were there with an impeccable record for seven years and you were hired while you worked for another company. But once you became effective as a union organizer Uh, basically helping your coworkers to get medical, to get time off, to get things that any, you know, responsible, righteous employer would offer, you were targeted and you were told what exactly? Could you brief people?
2: Yeah, so I was pulled into the office and told that all of a sudden my job with UPS was now a conflict of interest with Delta Airlines. After seven years, being hired, as you said, with it on my resume. So all of a sudden, it's a conflict of interest and told me that I had to choose between which job I wanted to keep.
1: But interestingly enough, during that time, the work that you were doing, you organizing um, was actually making a little headway, wasn't it? You we were right appropriately, organizing writing letters to the company, advising, you know, this is what the staff needs. This. But again, basic things. I think there's something interesting about your particular case because again other people have this has happened to a lot of people but you in particular with this impeccable record who disclosed this on your resume was still targeted and the people you were organizing and I'm glad you mentioned the company um, were they just tell us a little bit about some of your co-workers so these are called below wing employees and were they um, predominantly people of color were they predominant tell a little bit about it. there's reason I'm asking.
2: Right. So the, I was actually a gate agent, so I was above wing worker, but I was helping mm-hmm. to organize the below wing workers and cargo workers, which are predominantly people of color. So I'm out front being voice first about, you know, what they needed because I came from below wing. So I knew very much, you know, and we you very know, aware of the things needed there. So I stood out as somebody who was speaking out and they didn't want that to catch wind above wing as well, which is also predominantly people of color and women. So, they stepped in really quickly to try to see how they could, you know, move me on out the way.
1: I'm glad you explained it that way, and I I need to really work a little better at. I know your story, so I I'm, I'm, but I want to get to some, I guess, what people would call the meat and potatoes. So there are components, and thank you for clarifying that you were above wing the front the frontal employees because oftentimes the face looks a certain way in certain mm-hmm. departments, and then the people doing The work, some people may call it the hard labor, the um, grunt work looks a certain face, too. And so you were there as a as a frontal employee working for people who weren't always seen. Is it fair to say that those people were predominantly black and brown?
2: Yes, of course.
1: Is it fair to say, and and the predominant, the people in the departments that are, that make basically the operation run who are predominantly black and brown were ununionized, unrepresented, right? Right. It's an interesting thing about this company. Um, Are there certain departments that are unionized in the same company?
2: Same company, the pilots are the only unionized workforce, predominantly white and male. Definitely a big difference.
1: So that's fascinating, same company, Delta Airlines in Atlanta, Georgia. And ironically, Atlanta, Georgia is a right-to-work state, right-to-fire. Um, and you, after you were retaliated against, I believe you were suspended for 30 days, right? Without pay?
2: Month, no pay.
1: And then you uh, had, then you were, tell us what happened. You you even have a recording from an HR rep, rep right? A Delta I've- Airlines HR rep. Oh. And during the month you were suspended, because um, w- dis- of course- Tell me a little bit about the experience you had when you were suspended. Were there people calling you? What were they telling you? Um, Oftentimes, when people are really strong like you, they they get all these people in the background. I've seen Maxine Waters talk about this. Maxine, you got to tell them this. Maxine, keep going. Maxine, this. So what was happening during this time? I I believe you even got sent an article, something that the airline was doing, um, a marketing component. Talk a little about that, please.
2: Yes, yeah, so it was a lot going on uh, during that time frame. So being suspended, of course, people from HR reaching out and they wanted me all of a sudden, again, to follow Delta policies. But you put me out on the street and didn't want me to record anything that was transpiring between us, even though that was my right in this state of Georgia in the one party law. So but besides that, of course, we have people coming out of the woodwork from saying, hey, this has happened to me. This has happened to me. You know, it's a lot of people who have done been done wrong and retaliated against and harassed at this company who never spoke out, you know, but they came to me and let me know what their stories were. So I had a lot of people coming around doing that as well. Besides that, of course, um, I'm being suspended. Delta Airlines is out here paying $83,000 to open up the MLK uh, monument all of a sudden you're suspending me. Now you're saying, hey, we believe what MLK believed in, which you really don't. So it was two faces. The company puts one face out for the public, but we as employees was getting another face. So it was it was a lot going on at that time. Definitely a lot going on.
1: Thank you for being so transparent about that. And the, the interesting part is I know you personally, which is why I asked Alberto, um, can I please interview Yvette? You know, I know he did, but this is a little bit of a different angle, more than a, the update on what occurred. Ultimately, you sought legal counsel. You did Were you able to find, first of all, were you able to find an attorney in Atlanta, Georgia?
2: No, attorneys in Atlanta would not touch it. Uh, Delta owns Atlanta in many aspects. So through not only companies, politicians, as well as, you know, attorneys all have their hands somewhere within Delta. So there's was like, no, we can't represent you because we, uh, we have some business with them. Or no, no, right. we don't do that so we fly delta (laughs) exactly like i have no i'm a medallion no why would i so they were turning me down left and right left and
1: right so you had to go with a company outside of atlanta georgia and this company it it was so pervasive what was occurring retaliation and terminations um anti labor uh labor tactics which it went viral but that being said the company had an entire file is that true for delta yeah i had
2: to go out to philadelphia to find a company uh attorneys that would represent me and they had a page specifically for delta employees so that's how bad it is when you have a page specifically for delta employees people were seeking them from all over the country
1: so it's interesting for people who don't know george's right to work right right to basically Someone, is this fair to say someone can be terminated for any reason at any time? And the recourse they have is a legal recourse, but you're already terminated out the door. Your badge is taken, your your entryways are taken. So it's interesting. Perhaps it's more than a love for Atlanta that Delta stays in Atlanta, Georgia, and then has hubs everywhere, right? Because we're gonna get into a little bit of the um strategy that that we've uncovered here and Egberto is going to be so kind enough to put up all these images and show exactly we did a show the other day with Kamal Franklin of the Community Movement Builders and he was discussing the political apparatus in Atlanta Georgia the quote unquote Black Mecca and this ties right back to you because you brought up the politicians and what how companies can own a city and we hear all these discussions of Amazon and Amazon cities so I, I believe you are on the forefront of this, and I believe this already happened with you. And that Delta, as you said, is owned uh, or owns Atlanta, Georgia. So you are a black woman. Um, is that fair to say? Uh,
2: yes, it is. Because yeah.
1: you, you really could be intimidating. <laughs> you get anything that made it. So. but you happen to be a black woman. Yeah. And thank you for confirming that. And you live in the or you, you live and work out of Atlanta, Georgia, in the Black Mecca, right? I mean, that's fair to say. That's what's said. And uh, you did work for Delta airlines for over seven years with an impeccable record and disclosed that you had another job on your resume. And when you became eff- effective, organizing black and brown workers, you were suspended for 30 days without pay and spent a two year legal battle had to get a firm outside of the black Mecca. And uh, in this inter- during this time, did you approach any politicians, um, someone that would be relevant? I, I happen to be with you and you did it. But right. can you talk a little bit about approaching a now mayoral candidate named Andre Dickens, who was the Transportation Committee Chair in, in Atlanta?
2: Yeah, so I did bring this to him personally on several occasions via email, as well as when I went down to Atlanta City Hall and spoke on this same matter and got nothing was ignored, emailed, never returned. Now, if you're running now for mayor of Atlanta over uh, predominantly uh, people of color, this is the black Mecca, and you wouldn't even reach out during your position as a transportation chair to try to fix something or try to mediate or try to see what you could do to help that situation. I felt totally ignored. Um, And the people of Atlanta should recognize that. If you can't deal with people who work in Atlanta and bringing you issues then what would you do if you're over the entire city so not sure how that's going to work out for him.
1: And, and i'm i'm glad you you explained it w- in with passion because i was really disappointed in andre andre dickens is an at-large atlanta city council and he he was the transportation committee chair and he had all the authority you know and i watched you approach him i wa- i saw your emails to him and to just leave you out there and the really heartbreaking part about this is that um and i don't have to tell it this because she lived it and you've already heard that this is happening to so many people particular people particular people in a particular city but it's 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 sad because who is the other option right if we have a new race The mayoral race is Mayor Reed, who's basically a corporate, and you're going to see an image of uh, Mayor Reed with the former CEO of Delta Airlines, Richard Anderson, who's practically crying um, and hugging this man. And and Richard Anderson happens to be Caucasian. And Mayor Reed happens to be an African-American male. And behind, ironically, in this image, Richard Anderson is uh, the now CEO, um, who's also a Caucasian male. I mean, you look at the board of directors, which is going to provide you, you scroll down this, they all look a certain way too. And the the now CEO is on CNN talking about how he's ashamed of the lack of diversity. And here you are trying to help who makes that airline run and they're giving, using their marketing, talking about civil rights. And you go to your transportation chair, the at-large person of Atlanta city council, Andre Dickens at large, meaning he's responsible for the whole city. And he leaves you high and dry. Correct. And the other part is, who else do you have to go to? These are our Democrats. So are we supposed to vote Republican? Does it get any better there? Egberto, I'm saying this because this is the context of where people are of color are at in Atlanta, Georgia, that we're, where we're discussing rights to vote, right? It became a national topic. And these are our options. In other words, we have no options. I mean, is that is that fair to say how you felt?
2: Very true. That's exactly how I felt. It was like, who else can you go to? Like if you can't depend on the people who are there supposed to do their job there, then where else do you go? So we had to try to, try to you know, do our own thing. Try to push it out to the public social media wise. You know, we had to do it our own, you know, our own way.
0: If I may piggyback on what uh, Robbie just said, because um, uh, when she said uh, no options, I just want to add a corollary to that in that the options are exactly what Yvette and Robbie are doing right now, and that is opening the eyes of people who would otherwise not have known this, so um, using platforms like these and others, Yvette and Robbie, I just have to uh, thank you guys for for that sort of opportunity to get that information out. And I just want I, I didn't say anything earlier, but I just want everyone to know that Yvette uh, Avery is one of my uh heroes. I've been following her a long time after she was brought to me by both Ravi Kaban and Tamara Shili, uh, went introduced me to this powerhouse out there in Atlanta that's actually traveling the country with these types of uh, uh, protests. So, uh, Robbie, uh, thanks again for bringing uh, Yvette on the platform to let Americans understand not only with respect to Atlanta, but around the country that there is power in workers. So thank you guys.
2: The only
1: thing I want to add on that, and thank you, Yvette, and thank you, Yvette, because she's really the one who took the hit. And I asked you about your partner and your son because when someone like Yvette takes the hit everyone's affected in their families so all these people coming behind saying keep going Yvette this happened to me this happened to me the truth when people say there's power in workers there's really only power in organized workers you know okay. and that that's where this company is literally and, and I'm going to say this directly because I've actually experienced some things as well but Clayton, the airport in Atlanta, Georgia is in Fulton County and is in Clayton County, okay? And the revenue is the second largest employer in Georgia. And right now there's kind of a political argument um, with the um, Atlanta city who runs the airport, huge revenue, second largest employer, and the uh, state who wants it. So the city is predominantly democratic. The state is predominantly Governor Kemp. I'm sure you've heard about it. But the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because civil rights, which, you know, obviously this is, this is, the is affected in that way as we all are. And labor rights, right? Voting rights, the, the right to vote, the right to access voting and the right to organize, they're kind of integral, aren't they? And they're both happening in Georgia. Yvette, I, to, I want you to explain to people how you see it because you're not only a labor activist, you're, you're also a voting activist. I've seen you out there, you know, in the fields, in the streets. Can you talk a little bit about how you see it?
2: Well, definitely labor and uh, civil rights, voting rights all go hand in hand. This is something that has been fought for for years. And we are here in the birthplace of MLK, where a lot of this stuff took place. And it should be a priority for these companies that are getting behind, even like Delta Airline, getting behind these horrible voting Uh, legislations and then try to, you know, back up out of it all of a sudden, but you're spending money to suppress the vote. You know, I even came out about that. These companies are suppressing the vote, but then exploiting their workforce all at the same time. So we're we're seeing all kind of, you know, things that show how they do correlate when it comes to your civil rights, your voting rights, and uh, your civil rights, all being violated by these companies and pressed down on the workforce.
1: Really Julian Bond, who's in a photo, you know, at a Delta at the at what you're talking about, the civil rights, when Delta's giving money to this, but also giving money to the right to restrict people's access to vote. And it's interesting because there's a pattern here. They're also restricting their employees' right to vote. And mm-hmm. it's certain people who are being restricted. And it's right. certain areas and communities that are being harmed and not receiving the revenue out of the airport, maybe like Clayton County. Right. And interestingly enough, Clayton County is predominantly people of color, isn't it? And Crane County schools don't have the funding that they need, and maybe if we didn't allow this company to own a city and own politicians, do you think it might be different?
2: Oh, it definitely would be different. And we can see that in the other models around the city who, you know, other areas that they do support well versus the areas that they don't. If it's people of color and predominantly people of color, it's not being supported. Uh, We see that and it's very obvious with these uh, corporations.
1: I you know, I, I want I want I'm mentioning this and I'm, I'm asking you about these specific topics because it's all kind of convoluted, but I want people to understand when you hear media, like there's a reporter, Maria Saporta, who if you look at her visually, she's a Caucasian woman. Her writer, David Pentergrass, I believe, is a Caucasian man. They won't touch Delta Airlines in negative press, but they were once a court, they were once sponsored by delta so when you have your media you know and people are so busy and concerned about their livelihoods this is why independent media is so crucial do you think that's fair to say and true
2: oh very true because i could get no uh none of the the news media to touch my store so i know for a fact i sent them specifically myself could not get a response on that nobody wants to touch delta airlines here not on a anything negative now they'll preach and put them out for any positive things they want to do but it took social media and that flyer they put out uh trying to say we could use 700 dollars instead of paying union dues to buy video games like we're just a bunch of video game heads and sit around or drink beer they was putting out you know putting out all these crazy flyers demeaning the workforce and it caught fire only because social media caught fire and they had to cover it other than that they wouldn't have touched the story If if it's negative and it's delta the news here is not touching. Not
1: and and the question, I saw that Bernie actually stood up with the labor union. Um, okay. And there's there's a discussion. I'm not sure we can get into it today. I'd love to interview you again about diversity in labor and maybe even the lack of diversity in labor. Uh, if you could just give a few of your thoughts on that, and I'm curious, did you ever hear from Mr. Senator Sanders?
2: I didn't hear from him personally but uh i was i would have been able to meet him in person if i was able to get to one of those uh events that we had when he was uh with the organizers from the delta workers unite campaign but it is an issue in the labor movement as well Uh, i'm a teamster been a teamster for a long time and our representation needs to look like the workforce look like the employees look like the membership if our membership predominantly women or predominantly people of color, we need to see that instead of a white male uh, dominated area. And that's in all, you know, they looking like the corporations, but our unions need to work on that as well. That's something definitely needs to work on.
1: Do you think that unionized that or organizing for labor would be more effective if they were operating more inclusively and, and a representative of the demographic as opposed to behaving kind of similarly like the corporation where Certain people have privileges, certain people are heard, certain people are seen, as in the case with Delta Airlines, their board of directors, their executives have contracts, their pilots who are predominantly male have, have union contracts. And I mean, is that fair to say? It definitely
2: is. When people see themselves out there, they're like, oh, okay, so they do care about us. So it's not just, hey, these same type of, you know, white males all the time, and they, these are the ones that are gonna hold the power, and I don't hold the power. No, you as the worker, you as the member, You hold the power. So stand up, you know, run for office, become elected, you know, become that leadership because that's what we need to do.
1: But organize power. And when you do get in office like Mr. Dickens, okay, please don't leave your folks behind. Answer your emails, sir. Respond to your constituency, sir. Oh, Egberto, please, do you want to... yeah. put before we...
0: Right. I just wanted to get a question before your last question, and this is to Yvette. Um, we kind of discussed this a little bit while um, we were getting on, and that is the movement, the movement that you represent, the worker movement, has started to metastasize all over the country in the last few weeks. I would just love to hear your thoughts on that, because I can tell you from somebody who reports on this and have been watching this, I am so excited, and I want to know if you share my excitement and what you think going forward on on these labor movements that's happening throughout the country.
2: Like I said, I'm thoroughly overjoyed to see that now, you know, workers are realizing that they hold the power. The organized workers especially, they're calling for strikes all over the country because of, you know, uh, unfair treatment, poor contracts. And, you know, they realize that, you know, now, okay, these companies really need us. Hopefully, the workers who are not organized will get together and organize. And I believe that's going to be our future here. More organized labor catching fire throughout the whole U.S. and people realizing that they really hold the power and they're making the money for the corporations. They should share in that. Um, they should be able to take care of their families without working two or three jobs. They should have health care. They should have pensions, things that they should have to be able to live life and enjoy life, just like the ones at the top receiving all that money.
1: And I'd like to piggyback off of that. This is a safety factor. I mean, we're not talking about you know, Amazon had people peeing in bottles to use laboratory. I mean, inhumane conditions. Amazon, Jeff Bezos, who we paid to go into space, you know, the big millionaire, billionaire guy, okay. The airport, I mean, there's a safety factors out of the airport. It hardly ever gets, makes the news. But if you force baggage people to get that airplane out, and that's really the bottom line, this airline doesn't want a worker or an employee to be able to say, hey, no, I, I can't shove all these doors in because these airplanes have to go out because they lose money. But that's actually unsafe. An airplane can literally not be able to take off if it's balanced incorrectly. Yvette, do you have an example of a safety factor? And did you see things regarding safety issues at the airport that you're, you were concerned about?
2: Definitely. Um, people are, because of those time constraints, take shortcuts. Ah. they very unsafe. So therefore, we've had people who, Uh, pulling up equipment to aircraft with nobody guiding them up. We have people unloading and loading aircraft where it's two men, two women to a gate when that's not enough staffing. And this is, this is pre COVID. So this is before, you know, the work shortage as they claim or the uh, shortage of employees, you know, as they claim they were working people short, very dangerous people, you know, doing well above what they are supposed to be doing and getting injured and some have even been killed out there on the ramp trying to get things done in an unsafe manner. People never know what they're up against or you know how close they may have come to having an incident because of people trying to get things done, get those doors shut and get everything done under those time constraints because they wanna keep their job. I mean, they're trying to do whatever they can because they know they have no recourse.
1: The last thing I wanna ask you, Yvette, is that you've had the opportunity to work for a union company and a non-union company in your opinion in your experience what you've seen what is the main difference
2: well the organized workers have job protection and bargaining ability you know without a union you're in the office you're all alone with management when you're being targeted with no representation that feeling is a feeling no one should have to deal with or go through it's hard when it's just you but they can have as many management personnel as they want in the room against you versus when you have that representation standing by you and that contract that you have to make the company follow up when
1: when you're sitting alone in that room with management when you get called in how do you even prove what was said and what wasn't said
2: it doesn't matter it's all he said she said and you're wrong so it really doesn't matter what happened because the company is going to be right in that instance always always
1: but when you have a union steward, now you have someone knitting, sitting next to you. So is it equivalent? Does it feel like going to court with an attorney or without one? Is that fair to say?
2: It is. As a steward, I've been called an attorney many times because that's what it's exactly what it's like. Exactly what it's like. I, that I want to
1: thank you. Egberto, I want to thank you. I hope this gives people insight into the reality of the a unionized workforce, a protected workforce. And we're not talking about you know, protecting people who, who don't do their job. That's not, that's, we can get into that discussion on a follow-up if you want. Yvette, do you have any commentary on that? Because I think some type, go ahead.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, we can only do what we can do. I can't fire people, that's up to management. So if management doesn't do their job, you can't hold a union accountable for what management doesn't do. We have to do our job as union to protect the workers' rights. If management, you know, flops off and doesn't discipline or do what they're supposed to do, all we can do is make sure it's equality and make sure they do the right thing by the people. you know.
1: And when you say equality, that means treating people the same. So if somebody was five minutes late and somebody else is five minutes late, that means those workers should be treated the same if their exactly. records are, Are instead of using things to target people. So right. this, this discussion is so important per exactly what Egberto said all over the country. And I hope the unions are hearing. We need inclusivity. We, you know, listen to your constituency right here who's taken the hit as, and please everyone, if you can, is is there still a petition?
2: Now I have a petition for something else now, but no, <laughs> yeah, for, uh, for drivers and safety out here. Yeah, so yeah. We, we, we have petitions for that as well, but it's a lot going on with workers. So we definitely, anytime you see something to support workers, stand up, join in, you know, that's all I can ask for everyone.
1: Yvette, I want to thank you. I want you to thank you personally for taking this. If you did want a petition started, I'll start one for you. And I want to thank Alberto Willis, independent media, fair media, equitable media, inclusive media. And be careful, people. Open your eyes. Look at these visuals. This is strategy and their marketing is strategy. We need the truth. And you're looking at the truth right there. She's right in front of you. Thank you, Yvette. Thank you,
2: Robbie, and definitely thank you, Egberto, for having me on.
0: All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Yvette, like I said, is a, an activist out there, and she puts her work where her words are. And likewise, is Robbie Caban, who, I, who works in Atlanta and does a hell of a lot of work in the community where she resides, and the communities external to where she resides. Anyhow, I, there's an important comment that I loved that from Tom C. This was this this was a great comment. I want everybody to listen to this and understand what Tom C said here. He was responding to Lee Grant about the Virginia election he says, "The Virginia election is a referendum on the truth. CRT equal historical facts. Parents' rights equal veto on truth and historical facts. Parents have a right to homeschool or private education." And and, and, and he hits an important number. We cannot allow people to say, I don't want my kid to learn that, this particular... First of all, CRT is not taught in in high schools and schools, not even in colleges except for special places. But we do teach history. And if you learn American history, a lot of things that you learn in American history will make quite a few people feel, wow, did we really do that? And there's nothing wrong with that. You learn from history. That's what it's all about. Also, Tom C. says, Welcome aboard, Rose Williams. Uh, Tom C. says, Government and unions are we the people, not single point of power. Corporatocracy is autocratic and anti-democratic. And that is what a lot of people who always talk about the private sector don't realize. The corporate structure is an autocratic structure by definition. But they don't get it. You know, it, That's how indoctrination works. Courtney says, This is a great interview. Egberto, thank you. Mirwood says, uh, that's not married with that is, uh a Car- Nurse says my my belief after Reagan fired all the air uh, traffic controllers back in 1980s major corporations just decided they could treat their employees like crap I mean look at Amazon yes I got you air traffic controllers from Lee Grant air traffic controllers signed a no strike contract they violated the contract Reagan called their bluff yeah and he fired them you know uh, well you know again that uh, that doesn't negate what Carming Nurse said Rose Williams, thank you, Robbie and Yvette. Uh, Obama promised this is from E2247. Obama promised $3 billion US contribution to GCF. By Obama's ending, only 1 billion had been distributed. Exactly right. Uh, let's see. E2247, poor nations begging for GCF since 1992. You know, the argument that I that drives me crazy is when people said, look, America should go ahead and start reducing its throwing carbon into the air because if China uh, doesn't uh, agree to these big cuts as well, if, uh, if, if India doesn't agree to these big cuts, these are big companies dumping a whole lot of carbon into the air. We have to realize that the carbon that is residing in the air right now, most of it was placed in there by the countries like United States of America, uh, Great Britain, uh, and, and many of the other Western countries, they have an oversupply of carbon that they've thrown into the air. Now And they built their economies on throwing all that carbon into the air. That's how they built their economies. To go ahead and ask the Chinas and all the other developing countries that they must match exactly what the United States is doing as far as carbon reduction is unfair because that is like saying, you were able to burn all this stuff to create this great industrial economy and now that we're trying to attain some sort of parity industrially, economically, you're telling us, oh, you can't burn that. And then you don't want to provide recompensation for that. People have to understand fairness, understand what's going on here, and not the top line that the right-wing, superficial, uh, assume that the people, your audience is fairly dumb, uh, tell you. You can't do that. And that's why we have politics and right, so that we can tell the truth. Anyway, I went the entire show forgetting that I need to say, folks, if you are on YouTube, please go ahead. First of all, give me that thumbs up by clicking that Thumbs up. Uh, if you're on Facebook, click that like. But more importantly, please click the join button. If you are on YouTube, please click the join button. Become a part of the PDR Posse. If you are elsewhere, you can always become a part of the PDR Posse in many different ways. You can go ahead and go to uh, uh, politicsdonright.com slash YouTube. politicsdonright.com YouTube. You can also go to politicsonright.com slash patron, politicsonright.com slash patron. Patron is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can likewise go to politicsonright.com slash PayPal, politicsonright.com slash PayPal. Um, look, it's getting cool right here in D.C. It's pretty darn cold. You can go ahead and go to politicsonright.com slash store. Get, get a hoodie, get a T-shirt, get support, a program, however you can. We really, really, really need your support. Uh, you can get one of my many books, politicsandright.com slash books, politicsandright.com slash books to get the books. And of course, a catch-all place for all the different manners in which you can support us, politicsandright.com slash support. Politicsandright.com slash support. Anyhow, Eric Hayes says, yes, we are we are bad and get it. Egberto, thanks and keeping it up. And why are you defending other countries that are doing bad things? Why is Biden sleep during his clip Wow. <laughs> so you see how, you, you see how the, the right wing Is able to get, get you Hoodie Good idea right now Thank you Rose So you can go to Politicsandright.com Slash store To get that hoodie Nanette Bird-Smith Thank you Egberto Okay uh, It's not about bad mouth And it's just about Telling the truth That's all we have to think about Eric Hayes Tell the truth and it's not about defending countries. I have nothing to defend China about. I don't have a, an affinity for China. I don't have an affinity for Russia. I don't have an affinity for France. I don't have an affinity for any other country other than my country, United States of America. But at the same token, I want to be fair. It's that simple. It is that simple. Okay, get you a job. Permian Basin Events.com. <laughs> Nanette uh, Birdsmith says, truth prevails, which is absolutely true. Rose Williams says, thanks, Courtney. And she also says, let's send Breach some love. She is in the process of moving up here today. She told me, she said, Egberto, I'm going to be offline as she makes the move. Yes, she's going to make that solid move up there to North Nueva York. And I know she's going to love it up there. Daniel Ledo says, notice how he fails to mention those autocratic corporations are voluntary, autocratic governments or mandatory i love how you say they are voluntary if you sell if you are the only company in town that sell gasoline or sell these things remember to tell folks how voluntary it is if you have to go to a doctor to a hospital by a private corporation after you have gotten sick remember that how voluntary it is again that is how the system screws us all screws us all look we're at Four fifty-six. Again, I'd like to tell, ask you guys, if you are on YouTube, please click that join button, become a part of the PDR Posse. Alternatively, you can go to politicsandright.com/slash/youtube, politicsandright.com/slash/youtube, or politicsandright.com/slash/patreon, and go to our store, politicsandright.com/slash/store. Folks, tomorrow I have to take my daughter out to the uh, to to get her follow-up cat so I, I I don't know if I'm gonna have the time to prepare a show for ten, tonight that I'll run live tomorrow at four if not I'll leave a, a little message or something on the screen to let you guys know what is the state of uh, being able to do the show then or not but whatever the case may be you know you guys are my peeps and I do here I aim to please I aim to serve I aim to tell the truth that's my sole purpose in life in doing what I'm doing now. I want to thank you guys for being here. You guys could have been anywhere else. The fact that you're here with Politics Done Right is an honor for me. So I'd like to say one big thank you before I go and say, my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys all know how I end this baby. It goes something like this. I am what? Out!